This is a Soulfire production. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. What's up? I'm so excited. We have our favorite couple on the show today. They're a favorite couple. You're going to offend somebody. I mean, there are other couples that we know. We have a lot of friend couples, but I admire, respect, adore these people so much. I feel like I learn more from them than anybody. Yeah, I would agree with They're cool. What are their names, Kelly? I introduce them to <laughs> the people. Why do you always do that? I like to like, <laughs> I like to like build up the excitement. It's kind of like, don't have this time is for like, foreplay. this, this is, is the, my foreplay for the, Adam live. and Vanessa Lambert. Hosts of Be The Be Wellness. The wellness. Yeah. They're rad. They've been together for 20 years. 20, they got together 20 at 21 years. and 23. I didn't know that. I'm really glad you and I didn't get together at 21 and 23. I would have killed you by now. I was busy. Just fucking all them hoes. I, <laughs> I was processing. You were coming my out of Christianity. <laughs> I was well, yeah, I was. I guess uh, a little bit before that. Yeah. I was processing the exit from my previous religious affiliations. Mm-hmm. So this episode is really cool because we really dive deep into communication and how they have found success in their relationship. It's not easy as you and I are learning a year into this shit and they make it look easy. And they're also very honest about the tough times they've been through and what they have done in order to find a flow together. Yeah, And they've got a really cool masculine feminine dynamic too, which I think is fun and playful. It's very similar to ours in a lot of ways. I feel. Yeah. The whole time they were talking and, and Vanessa said this too, but I felt like I was looking into a mirror. I was like, Oh wow. If we continue on this path, like we can have that too. Yeah. We've done a lot of the same things that they have. And we talk about plant medicine and that's been really integral into their relationship and their growth. Um, and just going to Burning Man and doing something fun and different and seeing each other in different ways. Running and around naked and getting yeah, weird. Just nakedness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for the nakedness. That's really the key to all of this. Um, but yeah, this is a really beautiful conversation. Yeah, I think people fun. can take away a lot from this relationship dynamic. You know what else people can take a lot away from? What? Therapy. Therapy. You know where a great place to get therapy is? Better help. <laughs> Duh. Duh. So we absolutely love BetterHelp because it is affordable and accessible therapy that can make a huge difference in your life. And if you're someone who has never done therapy, this is a great way to start because it's very safe and comfortable feeling. You can do it from the comfort of your home, on the phone, messaging, video calls, and it's a really nice introduction into having conversations with someone who can facilitate those for you. Yeah, you're basically DMing someone your feelings and they actually know how to respond. Yeah. Not just randomly <laughs> messaging people on Bumble that don't really care <laughs> and have no tools to help you. What you get to do is is have productive DMs with a licensed professional counselor. Mm-hmm. And that's fantastic. And you can also do phone calls and video calls. So many options. There's too many. Sometimes I think there's too many options, but then I'm like, this the best thing ever. You're so ridiculous. I just got a message from, from my therapist today. Reminding you to talk to her. She's going to be like, um, are you okay? <laughs> I'll be like, yes, I'm great. I'm obviously awesome. Oh, Connor. So no news is better than bad news. Is it? I love this because <laughs> my experience has been very spiritual and grounded in that practice. And I really like that. In addition to talk therapy, I think they give a really balanced approach to what this can look like for you. So if you guys want to reach out for help and speak with someone, go to betterhelp.com slash okay, babe. You'll get 10% off 
your purchase. And we really feel strongly about everyone getting help and being able to advocate for themselves. Yeah, it's really cool. It's, it's, it's an awesome tool. No, no, all kidding aside, it's fantastic. So that's betterhelp.com slash okbabe and 10% off your first month. All those links are in the show notes of this show. And now let's get to Adam and Vanessa in this juicy, juicy goodness. Thanks for coming on the show, you guys. I'm so excited to talk to you. <laughs> We're so Thanks excited too. We love so, looking at you guys. Oh, You're same. So cute. I know. So are you. So Aww. we just we just adore you and think the world of you. And Connor and I were talking Aww. about you guys yesterday and he was just telling me about when he first met you and just how transparent you were about your relationship and things that the tough times, the good moments, the ebbs and flows over the years. And I, I respect you so much in the way you carry yourselves and how honest you are about things not always being great, you know, and <laughs> you can also be happy and be struggling at the same time. And we're a little over a year into this. And so we're, we're starting to figure that out. <laughs> um, but I would love for you to just touch on what it's been like for you in this relationship, in the difficult moments and what you've learned from each other and how that has gotten you to this point. And I know that's a very loaded question, um, <laughs> but that's really where my curiosity starts with you. Mm. Okay. Damn, Kelly, get right, right into it. So I could argue with him. Right, right, right. That's not what happens. Well, that's a pretty, pretty like solid, you know, insight into what really goes on <laughs> around here. But I think, you know, a, a big piece of um, struggle, I mean, I guess for, for lack of a better term, right? It's like at the end of the day, what is it, you know, and it's, it's some sort of conflict with the way that, that you see the world or yourself in the world. And then that bumps up against somebody else's version of the same thing, right? How they see the world and themselves in the world. And like this sort of Venn diagram of where you're those, those things come together is where that conflict can arise, you know? And I think that, you know, for, for folks who find themselves in that situation, whether it's one people, two people, three people, like whatever's going on. And if it's a personal relationship or a work relationship, whatever, you have a choice, like when you recognize that the the convergence of your Venn diagram, right? You have a choice to either kind of lean into that and look at it as a way of improving communication and improving the way that you are um, perceived in the world. And I don't mean like making people have a better perception of you, but it just ensuring that what you're saying and communicating and feeling is being received, right? Because there's so much room for misinterpretation of what goes on, you know? And, and so I think you have a choice of like going into that conflict as I'm going to win at all costs or going into that conflict in a way that's ensuring that what you are saying is being received and communicated well, and then being open to whatever that means, right? And then maybe it means you're fighting and maybe it means that you don't agree about something. But that I think is the, that's the key piece, you know? And I think, I don't know that we like made a choice, you know, like outwardly like sat down and said, okay, here's what's going to happen. You know, when our diagrams bump into each other, you know, we're going to, we're going to choose the more difficult route here, but that's, I think it's just kind of what we have innately done. And I, and I think that has sort of provided this base level of groundwork for us to work through 
everything, you know, from, from our relationship to being in our business relationship and, you know, and managing our friend circles and all of that stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, and I would just add, I won't even argue because that was really well said. Oh man. <laughs> your, your diagram <laughs> we'll, was we'll legit find something there. Else. Yeah. <laughs> but I think for us, one of the best things that ever happened was like throwing out all the constructs of what we thought marriage should be. And that was probably the most liberating time for us because I think, especially we were so young, Adam and I got together when we were 21 and 23 years old, right? That, yeah, something like sure, that. Sure. So, so, and we're 41 and 43, 43 years old. Yeah. So like, it's, so that it's, would make it's sense, a minute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, mathematicians. At least, at least we're both, we're both the same amount of age older. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that in our early twenties, it was like, we were trying to do marriage, right. You know, like Adam was trying to do the, he was like very much in the masculine role of like providing for us. And I was still finishing up college when we got together. So like we, we still had some of these, I think, preconceived notions about how we were supposed to be in marriage. And then I think within a couple of years, we were just like, okay, listen, these roles are not for us. Like, let's just throw it all out and create from scratch what works for us. And I think that was probably one of the most liberating experiences for us personally, but also for our marriage. Mm. Because once you kind of get rid of the paradigm of what should be, you have an open slate of creativity and possibility. And I think that was a really beautiful time for us to kind of claim and decide who yeah. we are as people and what we want our marriage to mean. Yeah, totally. And I think, so we were sort of um, lucky in a sense that I, neither of us really had this like really embodied sense of what it means to be married. And, you know, and then that means we do this and, you know, cause neither of us grew up in any sort of religion okay. or like any, or, or <laughs> in any families. sort of married family, <laughs> you know, so it wasn't, it was pretty easy for us to be like, yeah, wait a minute. No, this is stupid. Like, let's not do this. Like, let's do it a different way. You know? So we had that going for us. So when you, when you tore it all down and started from scratch, what part of marriage did you kind of readopt or that uh, say traditional mm. marriage? And then what kind, what did you just say? Like, fuck that. No, like let's, let's put that away. I don't know really like what we readopted, but I know one thing that is huge in our relationship is equality. And that doesn't mean that we're equal in everything, but there's a real sense of power balance. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has actually been one of the most important things for us as humans, because like neither of us want to feel like the other one is intellectually superior. Neither of us are cool with someone even sort of like pulling more of the weight for us emotionally. There's this sense of like both of us having a strong commitment to being equal in what, whatever we're up to. And I think that that has been something that we really adopted. And even though we might take on different roles in terms of how we like create our relationship, there's a huge sense of being equal and having the equal amount of say and rights mm -hmm. and, and sort of like, I think say, like, honestly, say in what happens in our life. And that is probably the biggest thing for both of us. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a, there's a saying like when I was still in the fire department, I mean, one of the things that we talked about in leadership was like fostering this, this relationship of, of open, not democratic, but like open leadership, you know, when, and really what it meant was like, 
who is in charge? And the answer is whoever knows what to do in that moment, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. like obviously there's like a, there's a hierarchy of all this stuff that has to fit. But when it really comes down to it, it's like, you look around and you're like, who's the guy that's raising his hand. Okay. you got an idea. Let's, let's make this happen. And, and that's really how we operate. That's how mm-hmm. we operate in our business is how we operate in our relate in our, in our marriage. And it's like, there's no, I don't know. I think we've, we've had to work hard at, one, not being offended when someone else has a, another opposing idea. And, and, you know, cause if you can not be offended, then it's really easy to see the value in it. Right. But if you go to offense right away, then, you know, it's like, no, it's a stupid idea, you know, just because <laughs> it's not mine. And so if you can do that and kind of get in practice, sort of just passing off the baton of who's making decisions back and forth, it becomes really fluid, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, it's easy to look at business and kind of see how that would work. You know, but it really has been the same in every other aspect of our relationship. I mean, down to, you know, who does the dishes. (laughs) I love that you guys brought this up because this is actually like our biggest struggle. And so, like I said before, I respect you so much. I love learning from you. I think for us, like, and it's, we've brought it up, whether it's sexually in our business, stuff around the house, there's always a power struggle. Mm -hmm. And we're both very strong people. We both are very (laughs) solid in our ideas and how we think things should be. And we operate very differently in a lot of ways. And so it's a constant battle. And I'm very controlling and I'm always the one making decisions throughout my life. And so for me to sort of back off and trust him is really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious how those conversations started and what you felt guided you to have what you have now. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think for us, it's just honestly been like trial and error and just a lot of honestly just getting exhausted from like holding the fight. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, because you do, I think actually, especially when you're younger in your relationship and even, you know, you guys are younger than us in age too. It's like you have more fight. There's almost like more fire to like hold the torch for like being right or doing yeah. the thing. And I think <laughs> as you get older, you just get a little more exhausted. <laughs> I love like, that. You, you can yeah. be right. It's fine. Yeah. All right. This one's okay. We're both right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's like this room for compromise. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a part of it. I mean, it's just age, right? Yeah. Like seasoning. Like we okay. We've just been through this, you know, enough times, but there's also, and I, I think we tend to kind of forget about it because it's like, once you've done the work and you have the knowledge or the experience, you kind of forgot that you had to go to school to get it right. Mm-hmm. You're like, Oh, doesn't everybody know this? You know, but we've actually done quite a bit of work. And like, I mean, like the, the landmark type stuff where, which I think is fantastic for just giving you a window into how to communicate with other people and like another way of doing it that you can, you can recognize the aspects of your communication that are, you know, some sort of, um, ingrained sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Automatic response to things. Right. And it gives you, it gives you some tools to create that space where you're like, okay, is this reaction? Is this really me? Or is this my subconscious reaction to what's going on based on, you know, God knows what, and do I have a choice right now to act differently? Mm -hmm. You know? And, and I think that that, whatever it is, if it's landmark, if it's your own spiritual practice, if it's plant medicine, if it's whatever, if you can figure out a way to create that space, then you can kind of bring your higher mind on board and make sure you're fed 
you know, and you know, <laughs> yeah. don't argue hungry, you know, make sure that you have like the ability to, to actually make those decisions. And then you can interject like your higher self or what you really want to bring to the conversation as opposed to just running on autopilot. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. And I think, you know, Adam and I like really, you guys have talked about your plant medicine experiences and we've had a lot of those experiences from just, you know, mushrooms to ayahuasca to all different sorts of things that really have just given us like what Adam's talking about that space, like between our experience of the moment and how we relate to it, you know, and just like giving that a little bit more buffer to your initial reaction or those old programs or those things that come up and like how you're going to actually be about it in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's just something that you can practice and you can cultivate and landmark forum was awesome. I think we always call landmark forum, like sober ayahuasca. Do you know about landmark forum? I did <laughs> MITT. It's very okay, similar yeah. to yeah. landmark. Similar. Yeah. Same, 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 yeah. Same, yeah. Any of these things. And I think it's actually really helpful to have one that isn't necessarily just plant medicine because it kind of gives you another compass and another language to navigate. And then obviously then you can be like, Oh yeah. And then we saw goblins and I, a big snake looked at me and that meant <laughs> that my soul had finally found its home. Or, right. you know? But it's good to have that balance. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think part of this too, speaking about being right and holding on to that and something I've, I think I've just blown it so many times in my life that I kind of have a detachment from like assuming that I'm wrong. Yeah. Like I've been wrong in big ways a num numerous yeah. times. But something that's come up with Kelly and I is like me, me thinking that I'm right about a thing mm -hmm. and then just letting it happen anyways. Like it, but maybe I think that she's doing something that is a mistake mm. and I maybe voice something about it, but then just let it go. And then if it ends up being, if I end up being right, there's not really a need for me to be like, Oh, I told you so. Like, <laughs> Oh, he yeah. finds right. ways to <laughs> let me no, know. No, let me tell you. It was one thing it's in particular recently. It was recently, it was this whole thing that was causing a big like meltdown and it was every, it took every inch of my being to not be like, well, I kind of told you that was going to happen, but I just right. let it go. <laughs> It's not, there's not, yeah. well, I think that the keeping the tallies of like what is, and then you end up in these fights that don't even have anything to do with what you're fighting about. Yeah. Totally. It's like, it goes down the road of like, well, you did this one thing three years ago. I mean, yeah. I, I had a client uh, talking to me about something that they had gotten in a fight about a thing. And then they were bringing up somebody who had killed the tree 10 years ago. Mm. I was like, <laughs> <Right>. what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, you always do this. Like you just compile the evidence to support your claim over the past oh. decade. And it's, it's, yeah, it can sure. get really, really challenging. It's really dangerous too. I mean, that honestly, I think is what kills relationships is that tallying and that constant, like, Oh, I'm going to bring that one back up. When you do the next thing, I'm going to like stock yeah. this away. Keep it in your little Rolodex of like stupid shit I've done. <laughs> yeah. And it's just exactly. And it's just like, honestly, it's a way to, I always talk about like your, it's your love baby, like your love, your, you know, your heart connection is like a baby and like, you have to take care of your love baby. It can die. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a sure thing. Yeah. It's like a gigapet. A gigapet. Yeah. Oh, I love my gigapet. Like, oh, I forgot about it for three weeks and it died. Oh. <laughs> Mine was purple. I really enjoyed that time of my life. Can we go back? Can we bring those that's back you, for that's quarantine? That's you developed your mothering nature. It is. From your, from your early experiences yeah. with This little plastic thing. Oh, man. Um, that's pretty funny. So... I think along those lines, for me, I don't necessarily need to be right. I've sort of given into that. And I will admit Connor is right way more than I am. 
And, and I will tell him that. And so even though it's like a dagger into my own heart. Um, but I, I really like the idea of one, apologizing and two, taking responsibility and saying mm-hmm. you're sorry. Like those yeah. things for me, that is why our relationship works. And no, it's not perfect by any means, but this is the healthiest, most successful relationship I've ever been in. I think in part, cause I finally have taken responsibility and I'm willing to apologize. And though I use words to apologize and he uses action, um, mm. it's still an understanding and compassion that we have that I just never understood was really important. How has responsibility and apologizing played into your relationship? Mm. I think massively, you know, and, and it's, it's something that there's, like one of the primary differences between Vanessa and I is that she talks and I don't, you know? And so like when, I, when it comes to expressing overall relationships and, you know, our overall feelings and just like anything, Vanessa's almost always talking about something, you know? And it's like, which, which frankly is like, I can see the benefit too, because she, things don't really stew. You know, it's like the only time things stew for Vanessa is when she's sleeping, you know, and then in the morning, it's like, wait, all these things happened last night that I was in my dreams and I want to talk about them, you know, but for me, I, I don't know. It's just like, and and I don't even necessarily know that it's like, I mean, I think some people would say that it's a masculine trait to be more quiet or stoic or whatever the word you want to associate with that. But I think like, I, I just think it's a lack of practice. Like my family never talks about anything. Like, it's just not what you do. You know, it's like, Hey, how was today? Oh, work was weird. Yeah. Okay, cool. Dinner's great. All right. See you tomorrow. You know? And so like, we never really did any of that kind of stuff, you know? And, and so for the first, I don't even know how many years of our relationship, it was, you know, Vanessa voicing her opinion, me not and resentment building and building and building, you know, and And like, to the point that we didn't really even argue necessarily about things. It was just this like stalemate of my quiet stubbornness and Vanessa like bouncing all around trying to make things happen, you know? And I don't know at what point, you know, somewhere in that (laughs) we stopped doing that and we started actually fighting, you know, like, and I mean, not physically fighting, but like we would, we would have it out, you know? And then that created this space for us to recognize, you know, that maybe we flew off the handle or whatever happened and then apologize. And, and like you said, take ownership for it. And that now is like, it's what we do. I mean, a fight lasts 15, 20 seconds, you know what I mean? It's like one or two words, I'll cut you. And then we're like, ha ha ha. Okay. That's fine. And everything's fine. You know? So, so I mean, ultimately it's ended up being incredibly important, but it certainly wasn't that way in the beginning. It was, you know, cold war. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I'm Italian. I'm a, I'm Sicilian actually. So like it is in our DNA to express, to gesticulate, to like get the fire out. And so I think like it, stuffing that or not having that experience of just like getting it out, getting the emotion out is just, it, it makes me sick inside. And I think that like before Adam and I just didn't have a way to do that. And now it literally is comical. Cause we just will like, it gets out and we laugh at it. And my mom, you know, we've been staying with my mom during um, quarantine and she's like, wow. <laughs> like, Are you guys okay? Yeah. We're like, we're fine. Oh, yeah. We're just like better, better than ever. Better than ever. <laughs> it's interesting too, because I think I have learned so much about Connor during our fights because exactly what you said, Adam, he doesn't 
talk a lot, except when he is back against the wall in the corner and has to defend himself. And then it's like this shit just pours out of him. And it's like two months of things he's wanted to say, or like the core wound that he needed to express. And I'm like, I really hate fighting with you, but finally, like you opened your mouth and you're honest. And I think that's been really powerful for us. I don't know your perspective on that, but I think when we come out of those moments, we learn so much about each other because my little, my little girl comes out to fight. His little boy comes out to fight. And it's like, Oh, now there's an understanding that we would not have had without that kind of conversation. Yeah. I think it's a good catalyst. A lot of times, (laughs) I mean, it's not necessarily the healthiest way I'd say to go about it, but it, it, it like repatterns different practices if you can get accustomed to it. But if you don't ever let it come out, right. it doesn't, you don't get the opportunity yeah. to really address it or apologize for it or even notice it yourself. Because I have a more of a, like a, a very analytical and like problem solving style of, of just thinking that's this where, that's where my mind goes. And to the point where I had to really, I really had to put a lot of work in to even be empathetic. Like when mm-hmm. I learned what the word empathy ma- meant, I was like, okay, this is something that seems important. I should probably right, right. <laughs> how to, like this one. how to do this. Like, you know, I can feel other people's things. Um, but it's, it's, it's kind of, it can be kind of cold at certain times. Like Kelly will be mm-hmm. talking about her feelings and I'll be at my, like have my computer in my lap and have been in the middle of something. And I'm like trying not to look down at the screen to know, to look at like what I was about to do. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I'm like, am I going to forget what I was writing? But yeah. I don't, sometimes I just don't have something to say until I get to the point where I'm frustrated or angry. And then it like makes itself known. It, it's yeah. not until then. So I have to know, like there's a, it's a, it's a push pull type of situation where I know myself and I know kind of the way that I, then things I value about myself. Like I really like being highly analytical and not super compassionate, generally speaking. Like it's not, it just doesn't, yeah. it doesn't feel natural to me. Um, and I love the big five aspect scale and, and the way that that's the kind of the, the personality test that I look at as yeah. a gold standard, but it's, you know, the compassion piece and the, I'm not, I'm not just not super polite. Like that's not, I'm not, that's just not my <laughs> thing. Like I'll, it takes a lot for me not to just say what I actually really think all the time. And in a relationship, that's not necessarily the best thing to do all the time. Like there's a time and a yeah. place for you have these little windows of like, okay, pure honesty without any, without right. any filter. And then it's like back to <laughs> normal life. So it's, it's a, it's a constant, like in my mind, like push and pull of, of what to say when and when to not overstep. And then when you get angry, it's kind of like all that shit goes out the window and then yeah. we're just, now we're just in it, you know? Now we're yeah. Brawling. But I think part of like the spiritual self-help kind of like, I don't know, paradigm has taught us that like, everything has to be so woke. Like we're not like everything has to be so, well, my, my inner child is feeling this way. And like, and honestly, sometimes you just need a good old fashioned fight or you just need to express or you need to get it out. And it wasn't until we gave ourselves permission that we like realized how much, how important it was to explore those pieces of ourselves and to not take it super personally, what comes out during those times, because they're sometimes it can be supercharged or a little like more aggressive than it needs to be. But honestly, like I, I look back on all of my spiritual training and all of that stuff. And I think that was one area that I'm in some disagreement with. Like you have to have a space for just raw emotion to express sometimes. Yeah. I think one of my major criticisms of, I would say like spirituality in general, or I would say, I would, I mean, call it not spirituality, but like new age spirituality, which we've kind of adopted, um, as our generation thing, you know, it's like our version of the sixties is happening right now. And there's not a, there's not really a place for anger or disagreement or frustration. Yeah. And he's like uh, low vibe 
emotions. Yeah, and right. It's like, right. come on, dude. Like that. My my relationship with anger, I suppressed it for so long and just said, okay, you know, like love and light and whatever the fuck. Whatever that means. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever that means. And actually, JP Sears did a like a one hour talk on anger and his relationship with anger, and it really resonated with me. And from then on, I was like, okay, I can, I can find. I need to find a healthy way to express this because, admittedly, the reason I had kind of shunned it was because the way I wasn't expressing it, the way I was expressing it wasn't healthy. Um, so can I really acknowledge that about myself? Because it's a valid, like jealousy, anger, frustration. Those are all as valid emotions as any Mm -hmm. as happiness and joy and and pleasure. Like they're all, they're all temporary. That's why I love Buddhism so much because you do get the Buddha back here. Um, (laughs) is because there is this detachment from your, like you aren't your emotions. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing, because if you, if you language it and, and believe like I am angry, well, that has a different type of connotation than I feel angry or I'm experiencing anger. And then it gives you the place, the space to kind of track it down and be like, okay, well, where is that coming from? And then you get into the the childhood stuff and whatever wounds you're experiencing. All your mommy issues. All the mommy issues. Exactly. It's an an interesting route to go down whenever we don't normally have that. Like we have this, 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 this shame of anger or shame of shame. And you're just on this hamster wheel of bullshit that doesn't really get you anywhere. It's like, if you're ashamed of yourself Mm -hmm. for feeling shame, you're not doing yourself any favors. Quick interruption from this majestic episode to tell you about our show sponsors. Kelly, take it away. <laughs> I feel like I'm on a game show. <laughs> this is very fun. Spin that wheel. Ooh, it landed on Blue Blocks. Let's talk about our eyeballs and how to protect them. Yeah, if you're watching late night game show TV, <laughs> you need to block the blue rays that are soaking into your eyeballs and ruining your sleep, mood, and hormone production. Okay, so we are big fans of blue blocks in this house. You want to wear blue blockers and not look like a fucking asshole? Blue blocks has you covered. Yes, they do. So (laughs) Connor and I both wear these glasses all the time. I had a lot of issues with eye strain and headaches and not being able to sleep well. And so that was a huge proponent for me to reach out and figure out what kind of glasses I could use. And we actually love this company because they go through a three-tiered process for quality control, which Every other company does not, so you're basically getting shit everywhere else. Three tier process. <laughs> you're just gonna quality echo me? control. <laughs> Tell them more, Kelly. <laughs> Do you think people will want to work with us after they hear these ads? Absolutely. Blue <laughs> um, Fortune made billions, billions of dollars. We're gonna make Blue Box billions of dollars. Yeah. If you guys don't buy shit from us after these kinds of ads, then you're out. You um, can go fuck yourself. <laughs> Blueblocks.com. They ship for free worldwide. You get them super quick. And for Connor, this is a big deal. They make them prescription. So you just send in your prescription. Prescription? That sounded wrong. I was going to say subscription. You send in your prescription for your glasses and you they can put them into your lenses. And they're also raising awareness for Restoring Vision, which is a nonprofit in California. So for every pair sold, they donate a pair of glasses. They believe everyone has the right to glasses, which we do too. We love companies that work from such a place of integrity and transparency. We are all about that. I also here. love buying stuff that I want and then feeling like a good person for it because if somebody is getting a pair of glasses. I know, right? Yeah, it really justifies my expenditures. Your spending habits. So if you guys want blue blocks, you can go to B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and use the code BABE. You'll get 15% off and free shipping. That's blueblocks.com. Use the code BABE. And how about this one? Can we talk about my skin? Let's talk about your skin. (laughs) 
Skin is important. It's on your body. It, co- it keeps your blood inside. It also looks good if you take care of it, and you can take care of it with clear, clear stem skincare. Yes, sir. Okay, real talk though. I'm tired of fucking buying products that don't work, that make promises that they do not deliver on. And when we got connected- It's like to, a bad date off Tinder. It is. <laughs> and you're getting like catfished by fucking skincare products. Yeah. Um, when we found Clear Stem, I was so excited to try it out because they have zero hormone disruptors or toxins. So that's a win for me off the bat. They're anti-aging, anti-acne, and they have this serum is where I really got sold. And that helps reverse acne scars. It regulates hormonal oil production, reduces redness and inflammation, increases collagen and elasticity in your skin. Basically, it corrects all of the problems that you have. It is just magic in a bottle. Their entire line is incredible. We both love the face wash. I use this every day. I can tell a dramatic difference in the texture of my skin. I kid you not. Before I started using this stuff living in Colorado, my skin was freaking out. It was so dry. And a month into this, my skin is so different it's not dry and it has completely kind of course corrected. Yeah. If I would have had this stuff in high school, I would definitely got laid more. Oh yeah. Cause my skin was not bueno. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, nowadays it's all good. So <laughs> we would love for you to try out clear stem. It's run by two women. We absolutely love Danielle and Kaylee and it was created by Danielle who owns the San Diego acne clinic. So they really understand holistic skincare and what causes acne on a deep level. So go to clearstemskincare.com, use the code babe. You'll get $10 off products and 15% off their incredible course. It's called Dick. Wow. I can't say Dick. Dick. It's Dick. Your acne ditch your acne. And that has helped thousands of people. So that's clear stem, clear S T E M skincare.com. Use the code babe, $10 off. You're welcome. And all those links are in the description of the show. Now let's get back to our lovely conversation with Adam and Vanessa. Obviously everybody's experience is a little bit different, but like the, the way that, um, the way that I grew up, it was like, so I was raised, my sister and I, who my sister's two years older than me were raised by my dad, like single dad style, you know? And you know, the, the story that I always got (laughs) from him when I was growing up is he's like, look, I don't really understand how to deal with your sister. Like, I don't, I don't understand women. I don't, I've not been in a, like, a successful, like long-term, but he's like, I just, I'm, I'm really trying to like, you know, give her what she needs. Um, and so you're just going to need to like chill out for a minute. Like, can you help me just be cool while I figure out what to do with your sister? And it's not that my sister was like, you know, any other abnormal child or anything. She's just, you know, a lady growing up, you know, <laughs> and so like I was kind of in this position a lot of being like, oh, okay, well, I'll just I'll just sit back. Like whatever I'm doing is not that important. Like it's not that big of a deal that I have some need, you know, because there's other things that are more important. And like that was just sort of the pattern, you know, that uh, that that I grew up with. And so what I've found is that like it's my tendency to just sort of take a step back and let other people's shit circulate in my life in a way that, that is probably unhealthy is like, it's real. It's something that I have to kind of combat, you know, and then like couple that with just being a a man, you know, who, and like in, when I was younger, obviously like a, you know, young adult boy, whatever, like 
physically capable of violence and have like all of this anger and angst and all of that stuff that goes on, but then feel as though those things shouldn't really be put out there because, Hey man, that's going to cause problems. And then there's going to be, you know, somebody else is going to have to uh, deal with my shit, so to speak, you know? And then as I grew up, I like created this, like, I created that as a positive for myself and called it conscientiousness. Right. So like, no, I'm just a really conscientious person. So I'm not going to, you know, stir the pot over here or do this or do this, you know? And so something that's like, that's come from, and I don't know, I, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to say, was it plant medicine? Was it, you know, just getting older? Was it, you know, any number of various things that go on? I finally found myself in this place now where, you know, the arguing and the, the kind of fighting and all of this stuff is like a way to release some of that anger in a way that is, um, well, I don't know, it's healthy, you know, it's like I can get it out and kind of feel comfortable taking my place in the world of like, oh, this, maybe this does make you uncomfortable and I'm okay with that. Like it's supposed to, you're not supposed to feel comfortable right now. Like I'm <laughs> staring daggers through you, like, right, is this comfortable? No. Okay, good. Because this is how, you know, this is how I'm kind of expressing myself. And so like for me, it was a really long kind of process to get to this place where I could you know, own my space in the world and do it in a way that, that wasn't like, you know, blowing off steam. Right. You know, cause like, that's where it can get weird. You know, when you're, especially if you're, if you're a big guy, like you and I, Connor, you know, if you freak out, people are like, holy shit. Like, is every, are we okay? Is everything safe? You know, like, no, man, I just been, I've been carrying that for like five years. I just had to get rid of it, you know? <laughs> and so it's been a hell of a process, like get to this place, you know, unfortunately Vanessa's like tough enough and mean enough that like it all just sort of, you know, balanced out. Like, I feel like I can, I can explore those areas and she's not going to be bothered. Well, and I actually, I enjoy it because honestly, like the worst thing, and I don't know if you relate to this, Kelly, is the aloofness. Oh, God. Like I'll take anything over non-presence. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, like express, be who you are, be mad, be irritated with me, be all those things. Just don't be non-present. Don't be aloof. Like that's the one that's just really difficult. And I know that like, you know, you can get into the whole control dramas of different areas of how people express and all that. But for me, I would like proud of him when he says, like when he has his moment and he has his feelings and it's, I don't take it personally. It doesn't even necessarily mean anything about me, but I'm like, yeah, good for you. Good mm. for you showing up in this moment yeah. for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing, one that's thing that's cool. really helpful as a man in that kind of situation is, is just when, when your partner really understands that you're just not going to be as good at expressing it as they are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm getting there. Okay. It's going to be yeah. clumsy. I'm like, I don't know these words. All you do is grunt and beat your chest and just look hot. <laughs> and Vanessa and I are just running around in circles. We're like, what the hell? Just talking. Yep. <laughs> just saying words, oh, emotional man. words. Vanessa, well, you, you brought up yeah, not taking things personally and mm -hmm. I am the most sensitive. And so this has been such a pain point for me and being with someone who has no fucking filter and just says all the things <laughs> about all the things. Um, I've really had to learn how to, to not make it about myself or not mean that I'm less than or not worthy or not good enough or broken or anything. So often he's joking. Um, and that's just his personality, which is what I love about him and why I'm with him in so many ways is the levity he brings to situations, the playfulness, all of that. I know I desperately need, but it's so hard to not take it personally 
Mm-hmm. How have you navigated that or the both of you? You know, honestly, like it, it was really just about falling in love with myself because in the end, the things that light you up, the things that, you know, pull out that pain or pull out that trauma for you are the things that are just not healed within you. Like the wounds that still need attention or that need love. And I think that like just really, really falling in love with myself and just whatever traumas that needed to be looked at, whatever things needed to be worked through, just systematically doing that over time is made it so that, you know, whatever Adam says, it doesn't, it's not about me or I don't have some trigger point with that, that is reactive to that story because it's healed within me. And I just think that that was really the process of just doing my work, you know, just falling in love with myself and just being so stoked on myself that I'm like, there's nothing you can say that could make yeah. me think I'm not awesome. <laughs> like, I, I just really think I'm awesome. Yeah. I love I mean, that. Not that like there aren't things that still come up. Of course there are, but over time, like, it, and this is what I think why we choose our partners is that they give us the opportunity to have those painful reactions so that we know there's still work to be done. And that's why we attracted the partners we did because yeah. they are helping us to shore up those, those frequencies in us that still need that love, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, this is definitely something that I still am am working on, you know, the not taking things personally piece. It's like, it's, it's big for me. And I, and I think that honestly, like it's a large part of the reason that I thrived in the sort of structured environment of the fire department when I was working there is because you, it was really hard to be made wrong. You know, you could, and, and which is the thing that like I take most personally, if somebody thinks I'm dumb or thinks I did something stupid and what that could mean. So I think a, a large part of why I was so attracted to and kind of thrived in the structure of the fire department is because there's rules to follow that you're like, you, you have some aspect of, I mean, I, yeah, you have to make decisions, but if you can back those decisions up with rules, there's this structure that can say, well, I'm not wrong because I, these are the reasons I did what I did regardless of the outcome, you know? And a big piece of that for me was just like being able to defend, you know, somebody thinking that I'm dumb. I think at the end of the day, like that's really like the fear of looking dumb is like the one thing that really just gets me still, which I guess is something like a rejection probably at the end of the day. And so in that environment, you know, it was really easy for me to, to just kind of tap into that. I'm like, okay, look, these are the, the, this is the procedure these are the, the the kind of like percentages of off procedure that I'm totally comfortable defending. And that is just how I rolled, you know, and it was, and it was fantastic. But then at home, like in real life, <laughs> it's not that way. You know, there's no, the, the only kind of constructs that you can fall back to, to, to kind of defend your position or prop yourself up in a way that, that makes it um, possible to not take something personally. We're like these, constructs of marriage and relationships that we'd thrown out, you know, <laughs> so we're like, you're just kind of left floating around in the abyss of, you know, me personally left floating around with this, like, Oh man, what does this mean about me? You know, she's mad about something that I did. And so does, what does that mean about me? Does that make me a stupid person? Does it make me like a bad husband? Where, where do I fit in this whole thing? You know? And that's, 
like as ridiculous as it sounds to say it out loud, like that's still shit that I deal with, like on a daily basis of trying to just kind of check in with that. I've been trying to like write more and more procedures for our life, but it doesn't work out. <laughs> when we agreed upon this, like we said, when, in this circumstance, we said this and this, and now you're totally going back on it. Like I stand by what I wrote. Yeah, that doesn't, doesn't work. That's so funny. Vanessa, you and I have sort of uh, bonded over the last week in a more spiritual way, which I absolutely love. And I think you and I sort of resonate on that same level. Um, Adam, I don't know you as well in that way. Connor and I's dynamic is um, he was more into spirituality and personal development for a long time before I was ever even introduced into this world. And so mm-hmm. I'm very much like head first diving in just really in it right now. Whereas he came out of it a while ago and he has a much different relationship with it. And it's just not something that he needs to address or be thinking about all the time. And so he has a much more sort of grounded, pragmatic, analytical approach, even in spirituality, whereas I'm like floating and microdosing (laughs) mushrooms. And, you know, I use a very different language than he does. And, um, I'm curious what that has been like for you being with someone who's so connected, like Vanessa, um, who has these abilities and is really, um, just holding herself in such a beautiful sort of spiritual way. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's really weird. <laughs> it's a, You're like, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. This is a perfect opportunity to just kind of lay it all out here. No, um, well, so, so, you know, I had mentioned that you know, we didn't really grow up religious. Right. And my, and, but my dad was a martial artist guy. He's a, a Taoist, but he, I mean, he kind of went through all of these different Eastern religions to finally live land on, on Taoism. And so when I was growing up, it was like, we, we read books about all of these different religions, mostly Eastern religions of just kind of, Hey, here's an idea and here's an idea. And that was sort of his take on how to, um, kind of, you know, open us up to philosophy, my sister and I. And so I'm just sort of never really had like a firm stance on any of this. It's just kind of a, a, an open book of possibilities. And I, so you know, and then in college, I studied some Eastern religions and, and stuff like that. And so t- to me, it was really apparent the the similarities between all of them. Like everybody's basically saying exactly the same thing. <laughs> so come, come pick whichever one of these paths makes sense to you and resonates most with you and, and then and go with it and then let everybody else do their thing. And so that's kind of always been my philosophy around it. And some of that got a little bit rigidified, if that's a word, <laughs> you know, and in now. the early years, yeah, in, in the early years of my, of my career, because it had to be, you know, you just sort of had to have a little bit more of a firm stance on things and make things a little bit more black and white because you're dealing with a bunch of shit that if everything's gray, it just adds to the confusion, you know? And so it was actually a welcome kind of addition to my life when, when Vanessa basically demanded that I read Celestine Prophecy. She's <laughs> It's like, we can't go forward any farther until you read this book so that we have some level of understanding. And, and so that kind of just like cracked open sort of what I remembered as a kid. And I was like, oh yeah, there's all kinds of ways to, to sort of go through this. Um, And so it's, it's been sort of an evolution since then, you know, of me, I think initially I would say becoming much, much, much more open and kind of diving into this stuff on my own. But much like Connor, I have a very analytical thought process on, on things. And I also like, I'm, 
I really like to come up with my own way to do shit. You know what I mean? Like I, like I've surfed, I've been surfing like two times and I'm like, I'm going to make my own surfboard, you know? And people are like, what are you fucking, fuck are you doing? You know? But that's just how I, I like, I have to make some, I make things my own. And I think that that's where we've really come to is in the, probably in the last, I don't know, six, eight years or something like my own version of this stuff is starting to emerge and it doesn't necessarily jive with Vanessa's, you know, like we have really different viewpoints. Like, the outcomes, I think, are always pretty much the same, but the way that we approach and talk about and just view the world is very different. I mean, completely different languages. But I think that the the upside to it is that we're both like intelligent enough, like you know, emotionally and and um, what's what's the other Cerebrally. kind of intelligence? Cerebrally, like regu- regular <laughs> intelligence, normal, <laughs> smart, normal, <laughs> normal, smart intelligence. <laughs> You're real smart. <laughs> You're real smart. Well, you know, to, to be able to, to, to see each other's side of it, you know, and recognize that while we're kind of speaking different languages, like at the end of the day, it, it, you know, we're, we're headed to the same place in the ground getting yes. eaten by worms. Right? <laughs> yes. De- we're both that di- we're going to die. <laughs> that is the outcome. Vanessa, is it ever hard for you when he's not speaking your language or maybe you tell him something and it just doesn't resonate because that's not his experience? You know, I think like as a strong woman and like sort of a, a tendency towards being domineering, like, of course, right. Cause I want to like dominate and I'm like, I want to make you think what I think. I've words. never done that. So I don't yeah. know what that means, <laughs> but it's why Adam is such a good partner for me because I can't roll over on him. He's not going to conform to me. He's not going to just start speaking my hippie speak and like rubbing patchouli all over everything. And I think it's why, you know, it, we, he's a force, you know, he's his own force. And I'm like, ah, because I think when you're a strong minded person, if you can roll over on people, then they almost become a little disinteresting to you. And I know, sorry. Yes. (laughs) That, that too. (laughs) And I just think that like, Adam, you know, he's, he's like a good sparring mate. And I think it's helpful for our relationship and for us to even be a sounding board for our own ideas and what we really think, because the other person kind of pushes back and like makes you really see if you believe that or not. Yeah. It was interesting after the call that I had with you last week, I I was giving Connor the recap after. And, um, just for our listeners to know, Vanessa was saying that what she felt is that in my past, I had always been with men that I could steamroll over and that I could just walk all over and take advantage of and control. And then I was just over it. And it was such a toxic dynamic and I didn't want to have that yet. Now I'm in a partnership that's exact opposite that Connor challenges me that he holds space in a way that I've never had. And it allows me to self-reflect, um, but also to not feel like I can just walk all over him and having that, that big force is what you called it. You were saying you were these two powerful, big forces together. And as uncomfortable that as that is, and the different dynamics, it creates a space where I can really learn and be challenged and not have to be in control that he can really lead in that way. Kind of what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. yeah. Also, I also make fun of you a lot. Though. A lot. <laughs> yeah. Like the it's, most. Like it's too easy. It, Kelly's talking about her guides or whatever. And then she's like, what do you want for dinner? I'm like, I don't fucking know. Ask your guys. <laughs> or Merlin yeah. and all kinds of shit. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's, it's like, it, but it's not, it's not like, it's not belittling. It's not in that way. Yeah. No. It's more like it's cause it is the thing about the spiritual shit too, that people take it so seriously. It's like, it's totally. funny. It's like, totally. it's totally. funny. Like there's, I've had ayahuasca trips that are really scary, but it's like, it's, it's so out there and so crazy that it, you have to find humor and humor in it. Yeah. 
And yeah. I think when you can take yourself less seriously, you're ob- you're on- honestly like more open to what there is to see. Agreed. Totally. Agreed. Yeah. It's, it is, it, there, there's a trap in, in all of these things, you know, and wh- whether it's on the, you know, super spiritual side of things or like in, on like a more conventional religion side of things, right. It's like, once you get into that space and you kind of almost buy your own bullshit a little bit too much, it can be like you can downright make people weird and like not really that super functional in society. You know, you're like, yeah, you know, you've just gone a little bit too far. Like it's (laughs) you're, I mean, it's great. You don't seem to be hurting anyone, you know, but I think this is why we've really been focused on retreats and getting people out in the world. Because even though we coach people on health and fitness and spirituality and mindfulness and all this stuff, we're like, let's remember to get it back on the court of life. Like let's get out there and live and enjoy and have fun and not get too weighted down by all of this minutia of like fixing ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because in the end, like we're here to live a beautiful life. And so that's been one of the main reasons that we're all about like, okay, yeah, yeah, let's work on ourselves. But like now let's go have fun. Like, let's yeah. go love, let's go appreciate how much work we've done and like celebrate it and just enjoy living. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the most important things I learned in my first ayahuasca ceremony. They said, I think it was at the end of the weekend. They said, now go have your real ceremony. Like life is the mm-hmm. ceremony. It's not in these walls, in this contained environment. It's really about going out there and implementing what you've learned and seen and being it, not just yeah. in the constant doing and trying to fix. And that's, that's oh, been yeah. really important. Oh, dude, it's huge, you know, and this is um, so actually a friend of ours had a, uh, was, was, you know, things are getting weird when you're talking about other people's ayahuasca experiences <laughs> on, on his ayahuasca experience. You know, they, uh, they the environment was such that there was a lot of kind of love and light folks there and like the, the, the really weird ones, like the not the not the. I don't know, like there there's like this this sort of spectrum of love and light and wook situation that, that can happen. Right. And there's like this place where they kind of come together. And anyway, the way that he describes it is there were like, there was this perfect mashup and they were all kind of having a really hard time. And his overall experience was, was pretty good. Like what you would consider like a, a good ayahuasca experience, you know, it was got everything nice and straight, had a good time, saw some pretty lights and, but it wasn't just this like painful dive into the depths of hell kind of a thing. But in his mind, and you never know what other people's experiences are, but in his mind, that was the experience that the people around him were having, that it was bad. And so he's like, what's the deal, Ayahuasca? Like, what? why are these guys having such a hard time? And she's like, the love and lighters are the most broken, you know? And he, when he told me that. I was like, you know, it's really interesting. But that I, in, certainly in LA, you you see that. You see these people who are just sort of really, you know, outward, almost evangelical with their crystals and, and like that, that need to really be uh, letting you know all the time, how tapped in and grounded and, and full of the light of the universe that they are. Right. And to me, it's like the feeling that I get is like immediately you're like, yeah, that's kind of like, it feels like you're really trying hard with that one, you know, like what's actually at the root of all of this. And it's like, they just know that there's something up but they can't quite put it onto the court of life. They haven't been able to figure out how to live it. And so it's always this projection, you know? And it's like, at first I was like, aha, that's why I don't like these guys, you know? And then after a while I was like, shit, dude, that really sucks. Like that, you know, I flipped on a little bit of compassion. I'm like, that would be a really unfortunate spot to find yourself in to, to, 
to know that something is wrong to the point that you've glommed on to a, a, a practice or an ideology or something to the, to the point that you can't even be who you are, you know? And so you're always having to push this thing forward. And I started feeling really bad for these guys. I'm like, ah, shit. I hope they can figure it out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I hope, I hope you find the door, you know, to, to get out of that crystal prison. Yeah, and I think it makes sense that those people, I mean, that, that, that download from that ayahuasca experience, what makes a ton of sense to me because there is this, it's like an escapism piece, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, there's something that feels so overwhelmingly broken that if you compare acknowledging that and just living in it, which feels unescapable to love, light, sunshine, rainbows. Yeah. That's a preferable course, right? Totally. And, and yeah. it comes with at the cost of the human experience, in my opinion, but still that's on the net better. <laughs> <laughs> than, yeah, for sure. Then yeah. just being miserable, I guess, in some certain yeah. way. And just, it, it is spiritual bypassing at a high level, but at the same time, like, you know, to each their own, I've, I've, I've known a lot of people that have lost themselves in it. And Kelly and I actually had a really candid conversation when she was getting super deep into, into plant medicine where I was you know, kind of voiced some concerns. I was like, I, that's, that's great. If that's what you want to do, but that's not the kind of relationship that I'm trying to be in here where my yeah. partner is like floating off in the ethers for two thirds of the time that we spend together. <laughs> yeah. You know and I mean? at that point I didn't even know what was happening. I just knew that I was constantly processing channeling and like gone. I was mm-hmm. never here and I didn't know what to do because like I said earlier, I'm so new to this. I had no context or understanding for what was going on. I thought, okay, I'm just like on the spiritual path and I'm like having the awakening. And he's like yeah. holding me by the ankles, trying to keep me on earth. Like, yo, come back homie. <laughs> and I had Yeah. Yeah. And I had seen that in ayahuasca that he is like that grounding force for me and that he'll always Mm -hmm. bring me back home. And so my job and my goal is to always just trust him in that and know that I can go and float off and do the things and I microdose and ayahuasca and all of it. And that he will be sort of my more realistic sounding board and grounding partner to keep me here so that I can have the playful, fun human experience and integrate both together. Yeah, and I think yeah. one of the things that's really important about losing yourself in it, like in that, in that way is that you're really vulnerable to being taken advantage of mm-hmm. because For there sure. is, there are people yeah, out there creepers. that are just trying to sell the next crystal or the next thing or the next way that you're going to be healed. And you're just chasing at that point. Like you right. might as well just be, ch- if, I mean, and then you're in debt 10 years down the road and you completely don't have a, you don't have a resume and you're like, right. what the fuck am I going to do with myself? <laughs> I was just selling essential oils and I thought I was in this, I didn't realize it was a pyramid scheme because I was in the pyramid and the pyramids right. are magical. I don't know. I lost myself. I don't know. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but pyramids are good. Yeah. yeah they block so 5G. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, the good times. You guys know we like to talk about sex on this show. So yeah. I do want to get into some sex. Um, Connor and I were talking the other day and we were talking about what we we're going to discuss with you guys. And he's like, I want to know what to do when you run out of sex positions. <laughs> so on that, in that vein, um, having been together as long as you guys have been, what has that been like when you kind of have tried a lot of things and maybe it gets stagnant or you just want to freshen it up? What does that feel like for you? Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, you go through waves for sure, especially being together for so long where like things are just like different. There's different peaks and valleys at different times. But, you know, the one thing that I think is our saving grace is that like we feel like we're just really good at it. (laughs) 
<laughs> like it's like it's not necessarily about the position or the thing it's like we're so deeply connected we're so both so available and open and able to receive each other that like that there's something about that is the next position is like how open can you be to the Mm -hmm. experience and that is i think where we have found ourselves in the years it's like you drop even deeper into your ability to drop into each other and that is like i think what just takes practice and time and years of trust and years of pulling away, you know, old stories and old traumas and old things so that you can actually just be really deeply, deeply available to the experience. And so that I think is what really for us is like, we just are always like, wow, it's like so good. Like how did, how did we get so good at this? Well, to be, to be honest though, like that was kind of that way from the, from the beginning. I mean, like for, with us, there's been like the whole chemistry thing is very, very real for us. Like, I mean, and even down to just like primate level stuff, like the way that we each other smell, you know, Mm -hmm. like we're up, we're compatible across the the pheromone spectrum or whatever, you know? And so I think like that's kind of always been there, but I mean, you're really right. It's like, there's, it's, it's almost like a, um, I mean, don't we just talking a bunch of shit about spiritual practices, but it's almost <laughs> like a spiritual practice. You know what I mean? It's like a, there's a, a connection and depth that we're able to access in our love for each other that I think has, yeah, like Vanessa was saying, has really kind of, you know, become the the target. I mean, obviously there's like sports sex that still occurs, you know what I mean? And it's like, oh, let's try this. And whatever, you know, like, yeah. Sports sex is a good good way to look at it. You know, you can kind of run through all of that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, that the target still seems to be this, just the kindling and sort of, you know, nurturing of that, that connection. Yeah. And the depth of it, like, I think that's just, you know, we've heard people talk about, you know, getting stale or getting old or getting whatever. And it's just like, I think for us, we've just been really lucky in a lot of ways because like, there just seems to be a richness and a deepness that grows with time. And it's like, even, you know, when we were 20 and thought we were just crushing it, we're like, wow, there's even a different level available to us now than there was then. And I I just think that like, that was like the surprise that we didn't ever expect because people tell you like, Oh, it gets old, it gets stagnant, it gets whatever. And you're like, or not, (laughs) (laughs) or, or maybe there's just like a, a richness that develops that is like more of a spiritual practice that you, you know, I think about Kundalini energy and there's just like, there's an awakening and a, a vibration that just can get higher and higher. I love that. Yeah. Strong. You have no other sex questions. You just want. No, I don't have any other sex questions. This is you. <laughs> this is your domain. You're the divine. You're the divine feminine in this conversation. I am yeah. the divine. I'm feminine. just. I'm soaking it in like a sponge. I'm just like. Yeah. Just taking yeah. it on. <laughs> wow. Your your receptive sponge body. Yeah. I think something that's been interesting for us when you're talking about sort of working through things that come up, whether it's trauma or old belief systems, I think we both have, um, you know, Connor grew up in a very religious background. I didn't as much, but I had a lot of beliefs around what sex meant for me and sort of being like this, this play thing that men just used. I was like the vessel. Mm. And so mm-hmm. I never really understood pleasure. And we've both worked through that over the last year or so of 
something will come up and we'll feel awkward or we'll feel weird or something's just off and we don't know how to act. And I'm just wondering if that has ever come up for you guys and what those conversations are like and how you deal with them. Because sometimes we'll find ourselves, we just don't end up having sex and we're in bed talking about whatever it is that's coming up or it turns into a fight and then both of our feelings are hurt. And then we talk about it the next day and it's always coming back to shame or Mm -hmm. just, um, trying to work through something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I think that at the end of the day, like no matter how, you know, woke you get, (laughs) um, there's, there's like a, it's still in our culture, like very sort of taboo, right? Mm -hmm. Sex, talking about sex, wanting to have sex, you know, you're like, Oh man, are you sure? You're like, yeah, fucking everybody does. Like what's, (laughs) you know, but don't pretend like you pretend like you don't though, because then other people are going to be more interested if you're like aloof. right? (laughs) So there's so much bullshit that like circulates around all of that, that I think it, it creates this like supercharged, environment, you know, and that can be a positive, right? Because if, if everything goes exactly right and somebody like partway into the foreplay doesn't say, you know what I really was saying, I mean, I forgot to turn off the dishwasher or some (laughs) shit like that just kind of shifts the entire pattern. Then it turns into a fabulous like lovemaking session or whatever. But in that hypercharged state, any number of things can go sideways and you're, you're so like emotionally aroused at all of these levels that you can fly off the handle in like so many different directions, you know? And so I think that like, it can, it can just spin into the wrong thing, you know, and you find yourself like using that passion and energy in like for evil, (laughs) you know, (laughs) in in the moment. Right. And so I think like for us, you know, that, like what you're describing has certainly occurred and occurs. And like, and to be fair, like we actually don't talk about sex that much. It's like not, you know, I mean, we have friends and couples that are like, Oh man, all right, well later we're going to blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just, no, it's not really our deal, you know, but there's no doubt that we have these conversations that occur like days later that it's almost like, Oh, okay. In that moment, I was thinking this and you were thinking that and shit, we were completely on the wrong, on the wrong path, but still all had all this energy. So I don't know if that has answered your question at all, but that's sort of what, <laughs> those are the things that are coming out of my mouth. I think, I don't know. And I think that like for us, just again, it's just so many years of being together at this point that like, even if it isn't necessarily in the moment, like before sex, after sex, or because of sex or whatever, like there's just so many conversations that we've gone into hard places. And like, we've certainly talked about shame and sexual shame. And, you know, I totally relate to what you were saying, Kelly. And like, it's, there's so much shame in us as women. And it's one of the biggest releases I had in one of my ceremonies two years ago was actually seeing all of the shame come down, like my DNA, you know, through my DNA and through my lineage and like purging it out and just claiming that it stops with me. Like it's over no more shame because it populate so much of the conversation in your own mind around your physicality and around sex. And I just think for me, like having to deal with that on my own was almost more powerful than like Adam wasn't going to make that okay for me. Like there was nothing he was going to do. Like, obviously we've been together for 20 years. He's not going anywhere. He loves me deeply. I know that whatever's going on with me is going on with me. And so it really just comes back to doing that trauma work of myself and falling in love with myself and 
eking out those little corners of shame when they show up and just say speaking to it. Yeah, that's old shame stuff. Like that's just what's there. And just being with it so that you can acknowledge it and then you can just put it in its place and move forward in a way that's more powerful in a way that's more in alignment. And so I think like, you know, sex is just a place that all of our trauma show up because it's just where like Adam was saying, we're in a heightened state. So everything can just be turned up. But I don't necessarily think that we've like, we have to solve them like for like the sex has to solve it or we're solving it for the sex. It's just where it's one of the places it can come up so that we can look at it in general. Yeah. It's like driving. Yeah. <laughs> just I like love driving. That. So one thing, speaking of shame, uh, I want to jump into one of the, the, the times and places in the world where shame doesn't necessarily exist. Uh, and that's Burning Man, which you guys are veterans <laughs> of. <laughs> Uh, so how have, I mean, have you guys, how many times y'all, have y'all been to Burning Man? Nine. Yes. Yeah, so y'all are veterans yeah. by this, by yeah. this yeah. point. At the, yeah. And there's this, I mean, you're running around the, the desert naked for the most part, doing your thing, dancing, having a great time, these ecstatic experiences. And I think, you know, for Kelly and I, and in, in the, even though we've only been together for a little over a year, like those, those moments of ecstasis mm-hmm. are so fun. And, and we don't, not that we're addicted to them, but they are, they have a place. And I'm curious what, what experiences like Burning Man have done for your relationship Mm. when you could just fully express and just go wild and, and, and have the opportunity to do it in whatever form or fashion you want. Unfortunately, I haven't been to Burning Man. We wanted to go. I was like just moments (laughs) away from calling you guys and being like, save me a spot. And then fucking coronavirus. We're going to need to do our own private personal Burning Man somewhere. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) I think for us, it's just honestly, like you said, Connor, it's just a place that we are fully allowed to express and there's no tampering it. There's no judgment on it. There's no like, oh, you can't do that because it's bad or there's some judgment. And I think it's just been a place where we can really explore the energy of freedom, Mm -hmm. like full expression and full freedom. And it's just the beauty of Burning Man is that you can be fully expressed. And that, you know, the crazy thing is when we first went, it was just us and another couple, like some of our best friends. And over the years, we've had more and more people join us in our camp and more friends. But there were some years in there where we really were like, didn't know anybody. And it was just a brand new canvas. And it, like, I think that there's something about having a Bernie man or two like that, where you're not necessarily with a bunch of people, you know, you're not necessarily locked into a camp. You're really actually in the essence of Bernie man are some of our favorite Bernie mans. Cause we could just fully be yeah. out however you want to be out. And, and like those to me are, that's really the essence of Bernie man and some of the beautiful points of it. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the thing is like, because I think, you know, you, you certainly see people that Burning Man's like, finally, I got a hall pass, you know, like kind of a (laughs) a situation in their, in their relationships. And so there's people that are running around like they, you know, just got off the, like, what do they call that? When the Amish kids get like one year to go try out the real world. <laughs> what? I I've know, never like, heard I of this. They call oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They call it, but anyway, but they just like lose their shit. And if they decide to come back, they come back and then they're there forever or whatever. Right. So you see people like that, you know, who are, who are doing that. And I think like for, for Vanessa and I, because our relationship has been so much about communicating and like nothing, I mean, it's, it's like, um, Bayesian reasoning, right? It's like, everything's a probability. You're like, no, I mean, it's not a hard no, but like, 
well, how committed to this are you? You know what I mean? Like yeah. everything's yeah. some kind of a negotiation. It's like, do you deal. really need to go to the anal fisting you, tent? Is that really? Yeah, really Connor, do you need to go to the <laughs> anal fisting tent? I mean, I was going to go make sock puppets. Like, <laughs> so there's, there's always, there's always that kind of a thing, you know? So I think for, for us, it's, it's just an amplification of kind of the way that we roll our lives anyway, you know? And, but the thing that is exceptional about it and the thing that like, even from, from the first year that I went all the way until, you know, last year that I'm still just absolutely struck by is how accepting the community is, you know, because we can run into, and it's like easy talking to you guys, but like, there's people that we'll have a conversation with about our relationship and they're all just kind of like, Whoa, I, yeah, I don't really know what's going on. This makes me uncomfortable. You know, I do that to and, my parents on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> very fun. Your yeah, mom's like, and, here's the Bible. My mom's like, what are you up to? I'm like, we had a threesome yesterday. <laughs> like, like, oh my God. <laughs> Three, a three, a three, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they, you know, you show up at Burning Man and you are whoever you are and it is okay, mm-hmm. you know, and it's more than okay. It's like celebrated, you know, that when, when you see people who are, are on the edge of like feeling out whether or not it's okay for them to really express themselves, people encourage it, you know, and that is like the exact opposite of what happens in, in most of the real world, you know? So like that is really the beautiful aspect of it to me is like, you know, let your flag fry, fly, whatever it is. It may not even be a freak flag. You might like be a super weirdo in the real world. And you go there and like wear cargo shorts, like whatever, <laughs> but it's cool. You know, you're like, no, no, no guys, I'm not uh, like, I'm, this is, I'm doing a thing. This is a costume. I'm fully <laughs> expressed right now. Like yeah, I'm fully expressed. Like normally I'm naked. But this is all <laughs> yeah. How yeah. does that help you guys see each other differently? Hmm. I think, you know, a, a big piece of it is that we, because we know each other so, so well. And I mean, since I left the department, uh, two years ago now, like we've been together every fucking day, you know, like seriously, yeah. like what, we, maybe one day I went snowboarding, you know, without you. <laughs> so like, there's I'm a, pissed. I mean, we've been <laughs> still mad about it. Yeah. So like you, you see each other and, and what ends up happening inevitably, as much as you can try to be interested in each other and like legitimately try to figure out what's new in that person's life, you start to run a, like a script, you know, I come home, we talk about this, we sit down, rah, 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 rah. you didn't do anything new. I'm, I know everything there is to know about you, <laughs> you know, is the, is the outcome of that. And at Burning Man, you learn shit about each other that you, I, I'm, you know, and, and this is one of the things that I love most about Vanessa is I am continually surprised by like, <laughs> That the talents, like things that she knows how to do and how funny she is and the shit that she can pull off is, it's amazing to me. And there's no place better than Burning Man to like highlight that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just a playground of opportunities to impress people with shit that they didn't know you could do, you know? (laughs) And that's, yeah. So I think that's a big piece for me. Yeah. And I think for me, like one of my favorite things is just watching Adam get hit on by literally every single human. Yeah. Like male, female, whatever, yeah, like the they all love him. And it's so fun for me because I'm like, oh, look at him go. They love him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, you know, he's a beautiful man. So I, I can't blame them. And it's just like, I always just k- get a kick out of it. It's it's like this sort of almost 
this weird combo of like being his partner, but also being like a proud parent. <laughs> like, oh, look, look, at, look at what a nice man he turned into. Oh, they all love him. They all like him. Oh, wow. That's so good. Oh, my well, God. You guys are awesome. That's super fun. I can't wait to do Burning Man with you. Oh, yeah, I can't yeah. wait either. Oh, it's good. so fun. Yeah. Is there so any fun. updates on what, what the deal is with that right now? Well, it's canceled well, it's this canceled. year. It's canceled. Yeah. It's, it's, it's canceled for the whole yeah. year. Yeah. I'm telling you, we got to go out to Moab in Utah and just do our own. Oh, that'd be so fun. Yeah. I think it would be fun. Honestly, there's actually chat or like chatter of people just going out to the desert where they have Burning Man during that week and just showing up because it's yeah, BML. They, or, they, they yeah. closed it though. Oh, they did? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're like, nerp. Yeah, they're, yeah they're they they're figured that, that would happen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to get coronavirus somewhere, do it at yeah. Burning Man. I know. Do it at the desert. It's yeah, worth exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for joining us. I loved this conversation. You're such yeah, special cool. people. Thank you. We oh, feel thanks. the same about you guys. Yeah. So happy for your love and that you found each other. And it's it's a lot like looking in a mirror, but like 10 years ago. I don't know. How young? How, how old are you guys? 33 you like, and 32. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, close, 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You guys I was got much so much taller to when I was to. younger. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. But yeah, we have to get you out to the desert. It's so fun. Yes. We'll can't do it. wait. Well, thanks so much, y'all. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having us. What a show. What a show. What a couple. I love them. I can't wait so to go to Burning sweet. Man. Can we have Burning Man in our backyard with them? No, there's too much dog poop. Damn, that's true. But we can do, I'm telling you, we'll go to the desert. We'll find a place. Be so we'll make fun. it happen. We'll I bring a camper that. and drugs and it'll be great. Yeah. Just be the four of us <laughs> running around in circles in weird ass costumes <laughs> with a fake DJ, like a mannequin yeah. playing DJ. Uh, they're great though. For, for sure. Go check out be the wellness. They are super intelligent when it comes to health, wellness and just general lifestyle. Shit. Yeah. And we're actually going to be on their show in a couple weeks. So make sure you stay tuned for that. We'll be sharing. And that was a really beautiful conversation that they facilitated. Absolutely. Well, we'll see you all next time, guys. Bye. Enjoy yourself. Stay safe. Peace. This show is brought to you by Soulfire Productions.